So once again, welcome to Woman of Strength podcast and TV. And as I always say, I've got another incredible guest who I'm interviewing today. And I just love what I do. I love that we just show up as our real selves. And we, I always have a, a little chat with um, the person that I'm going to interview before the interview starts because it's what we do. We connect. And for me, I have lots of women wanting to be interviewed and sharing their story, which is so inspirational for me. But I haven't always met them. And one of the key things is about connecting to each other. And so we just briefly say a little bit about ourselves. And so I'm going to introduce you today, or welcome you, um, to Susan, who's my guest today. And one of the things that I was just saying to Susan, I only ask one question, and Susan was like, oh, I need to think about or discover where my journey started. But our journey starts wherever our journey starts, and that's what I love about doing these interviews, is that we are who we are, we show up today who we show up to be. It might be something different tomorrow. So welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I, I'm yeah, so grateful for you to be here. Now, I'm going to read out your bio so people just get to know a little bit about you, and then we'll, we'll just go on in and have that conversation about your journey and, and becoming that woman of strength. So, um, Susan, is it grief? Is that how I pronounce your surname? It's grief. 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 That's yeah. So I mean, again, this is what we do. We're raw. I never, I never check that out off air. And, it's, <laughs> so, and I thought about that before you started speaking. Yeah, I know, and it, and it's great because this is what I love. It's just we just show up. This is us. Because in real life, it's that authentic. is you know offline. That is exactly what we would do, isn't it? You know. So anyway, so this is Susan Grief. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Correct. Cool. Um, so Susan is an interpreter of creativity. She calls, and in brackets, she's got mind detective. I love that, mind detective, because we all need a detective of the mind. Um, a speaker, an author, an illustrator, and an owner of Arts Men's Hearts. I mean, I love the name of that. It's incredible. And Susan uses the expressive, creative and healing arts to help individuals deal with trauma. Her unique multidisciplinary approach helps her clients find emotional freedom from anxiety, depression, anger, grief, loss, illness, pain, eating disorders, social behaviors and learning disabilities. Wow, what a wide spectrum that is. And she harnesses the power of creative expression to help her clients release old stuck energies that keep them from feeling or keep them rather, keep them feeling paralyzed, panicked, powerless and in pain. And it propels them to move forward and reach their goals. I love that. That's incredible. And so Susan also believes that in order to move beyond trauma, individuals must address their physical, emotional, and overall well-being. And this can be accomplished by creating awareness, making a commitment to self-exploration, bringing the unconscious to the conscious, and creating clarity. And so Susan interprets these expressive arts and helps bring the subconscious to awareness quicker than talking therapies. It makes thoughts and emotions more perceptible and tangible. And this way, those exposed to trauma can begin to restructure their thoughts and learn necessary coping skills so that they can heal quicker and move forward to living a happier, healthier, and more balanced lifestyle. I love that. That's incredible. And so Susan's got websites and things like that, but she'll tell us all about that later on. And so 
Susan, welcome, because it sounds like you've had an incredible journey to be able to support what you do, because I know through nearly all the women that I've interviewed, they're showing up and doing what they're doing because they've had those experiences themselves and are able to share those experiences to support others. So where did your story of stepping into woman of strength start for you? Um, I think it started um, the day I went to dental, I began dental school. Yeah. But I quit the day after orientation. Right. <laughs> you know, I was, um, I was born to two Holocaust survivors. Wow. Who were traditionalists. And you're basically told to do what you're told to do. And since I was engaged at the time, they felt, well, you don't have to go to dental school anymore because, you know, you have your husband. You don't need to go to dental school to find your husband. But what they didn't realize what it was, it wasn't about looking for a husband for me. It was more about following my dream. You know, mm -hmm. I love science and psychology and, and the arts. So it kind of all blended together. And I thought it was a great thing. Um, but I listened um, because I was supposed to. You know, as a child of survivors, you you kind of grow up feeling guilt for what they went through yeah. and you're supposed to do what you're told to do. Um, and I also find that because they were hiding in forests, they taught me to stay low, hide, don't be seen, don't say anything, just blend in, you know? Yeah. So, and I found that I was doing that my whole life. Every time I wanted to shine, I was being squelched by something or another. Um, but not going to dental school was actually a blessing in disguise because within the next eight years, I got married, lost both my parents, and had four children. Gosh. But this is all my 20s. Wow. And it was, I, I was just thrown into the lion's den and I had no idea what to do. And um, here I was being um, the homemaker, the housewife that I really never wanted to be, that traditional role I was mm -hmm. kind of forced into again. Um, and then I just, you know, I kept studying dance for exercise because I love it. And I studied um, photography because I was taking photographs of my kids and people said, oh my God, look at your eye. You have an amazing eye for photographs. So I started studying photography. And um, one day, my eight-year-old, I asked my eight-year-old daughter, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, I want to be a mommy and do nothing like you all day. And <laughs> that was like a stab to my heart. Like, you know, like I could have been a doctor. Right? <laughs> but like, yeah, but you know, obviously no kids understand what it's like to be a no. mother until you are a mother. And she's yeah. a mother to maybe a two-year-old dealing with terrible too. So <laughs> she knows <laughs> what it's like doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Anyway, so, but that got me to go on a local mission in my neighborhood to uh, Macedonia. There was, uh, during the Balkan War, um, there was a refugee camp where they were, where Albanians were sent to because they were being ethnically cleansed. So I went with my group in my neighborhood on this mission to bring shoes and medicine supplies to this refugee camp. And I brought my camera because I was studying photography at the time. I started taking photographs and the emotions that exuded on the paper was so immense that um, papers were asking to publish them and magazines. And then I had 
a photo show in um, Manhattan in art galleries and a museum and, and a lot of proceeds I, I donated to the Albanians, the refugees. And um, I was just so excited about this. I said, oh my God, this is like what I do. I want to be a photojournalist and travel the world. And again, my reality check came on my husband says, you have four kids under the age of eight. Where are you traveling? Right. So, okay, I have to listen again and do the right thing. I'm constantly doing what everybody wants me to do. And yeah, I mean, he is my reality check. I'm very blessed to be able to be able to stay home with my children, raise my kids. But I always knew that I was, there was more to it than mm -hmm. raising my children. And raising my children is a huge, I'm not mocking that because I think it's like the hardest thing you can possibly do. And I'm very, very blessed that they're good kids and they're, you know, and, and they're, they're doing their thing. They're on the right path. So I'm very blessed to that. But I always knew, like, by the time I turned 40, I was, like, so depressed. I was so upset. I was so busy searching and soul-searching. I took yoga classes and meditation classes and energy healing classes. I took writing classes, and I took, you know, dance, and more dance classes. And, you know, every class that, I can That do. yearning never goes away, does it? That yearning. Right. There. Yeah, it's my yeah. creative yearnings. I'm yeah. always there. I was. I needed yeah. to do it. And, and um, and what I also was as a child, I always loved to perform. I always wanted to be an actress, but you know, because it was somebody else, I could be. It was somebody else. It wasn't me. I was a little shy, but I loved to be. I loved to be out there, but I was always shy about it. Um, I also did cheerleading for many years in high school and college. So again, it was about cheering other people, like bringing everybody else's spirit up. So like, I think like a mix of everything um, came to me when I decided to take a, get my certification in creative arts, arts therapies where I study art and movement. And I just sat there in class one day and I said, oh my God, everything, everything I learned just like funnels into this what I do and I it was amazing being among other artists you know mm -hmm. uh, you know where I live a lot of people are you know you know you you plan you know you're all about being boxed in you, you have a goal you have to reach it you have to do it and and it's not very creative so um and that's when it's hit me I actually, actually before that I, when I'm studying photography a lot of the photographs I took were of bridges and doorways and and windows and it was always some open space and all of a sudden my instructor said to me like like why can't you cross your bridge why can't you get to the other side <laughs> and that became my aha moment oh my god I have to go back to school that's when my aha moment and and I just started putting myself out there and I just you know put myself out there once I started hiring a business coach because I never had a business I never worked so I became an entrepreneur and I just you know let my intuition and you know, and uh, spirit or God or whoever guide me, and this wonder always opens to another door. So, I uh, and so I use the creative arts. So I, I realize that my photography was is important for my eye because I see things that people don't see. Mm -hmm. When I went to dental school, it's because I was able to perceive in you know different angles of the tooth. So I have that ability to have a high perception. I have a high perception. Um, I'm very intuitive. I'm very empathetic. So um, just everything I do. So I can see people's drawings now and I can look at the lines. I can look at the pressure. I look at the colors. I look at the mediums. I look at what's, what creates a boundary. 
um, where's the placement, where's the, what's omitted, what, you know, all these little yeah. things are little clues to me to ask questions. And that brings awareness once I bring the questions up and then they have to, it's, you know, it's the process of what thoughts and emotions come up for them when they yeah. do these drawings. And then I have them journal it. So not only do they draw it, they are now, you know, confirming it through writing and owning what it is that they see. That's incredible, isn't it? Because, yeah, being able to see that um, in people that they can't see themselves, but yet they creatively are able to express it, um, but narratively can't. And then you're able to pick that up with them and start unpicking it. it it's like their soul is speaking through the hand or however they're showing their yeah. creativity. Yeah, that's, I love that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a form of active meditation. Mm. You know, instead of like quieting the mind, yeah. we're bringing in the mind. We are bringing in the thoughts. We're bringing in everything that comes to us. Kind of like writing in the stream of unconscious, consciousness. Just keep writing and, and and putting it all on paper. And then in time, we see patterns. That's yeah. why I like that because you're actually you're very focused on what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. It just like comes out. Yeah. And so when, when you were stepping into this, this space and that was, you realized that that was your calling, that was your purpose or, or to be doing this work, what was your learnings, you know, apart from what your business coach had pointed out to you, what, what were your other sort of conscious learnings on that journey? Um, I think is finding my voice. Yeah. Finding my authentic voice and finally saying, you know, stop putting, stop squelching me. This is what I want to do. I found my passion. I have my knowledge. Now it's about speaking my authentic self. And, um, and that's what it comes down to, like letting go of the ego and saying, mm. I don't care what you think anymore. I'm so, I'm so in tune to this. This is what I love. Um, yeah, because I had to always tell down to everybody it's like yes yes whatever you say because that's how I was raised to be proper and and listen to your elders and listen but until I said this is this is what I want to do I mean I went through my process of depression you know that's how I figure out I looked through my photographs my doodles and my journaling and I found my patterns I mean I used to journal my dreams and at the time I found the pattern of every time I get to the airport in my dreams, I would either forget my suitcases or I forget my passport and I just never was able to get on the airplane. And in time, I kept realizing it's the same pattern. And then there it was to me, it's like, oh my God, this is the baggage I need to let go of. And my identity my passport is my identity. It's not like my husband's wife or my kid's mother anymore. It's me. I got to find me. Yeah. And then okay. once I started going to school, once I started like realizing, oh my God, I get this. All of a sudden I had that dream of me getting on the plane and soaring. And that was like, whoa, I know I'm on my way. Yeah. That's, I love that. That's wonderful. I mean, what a great metaphor. And I think, you know, it's a lot of the time when, um, People are fearful of things, you know, like the simple thing, like there's quite a few people out there that are fearful of flying. And that, that really is about, you know, yourself. I'm, I'm fearful of showing up. I'm, I'm fearful of, you know, getting out there and, and being me. It's got nothing to do with flying. And, uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's wonderful. I, I love that. I love how, how you do that. And so 
you do so that's you can support your clients to move into that space too yes so you know in in order to make a change in life and to order to make shifts you know first you have to be willing to that's number one yeah two is to create awareness and not everybody's willing to go there it can open up pandora's box and you don't want to but when you're ready to commit when you really want to make a shift in life the awareness is the important thing yeah then we take action and we deal with the fears as you were saying uh, my other metaphor I usually talk about is the story of three Billy Goat Gruffs. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, over the bridge? Yes. Yes. So you have that troll under the bridge and the three yeah. Billy Goats are coming across and, the, you know, the baby goat comes to the bridge and the, and the troll jumps up and, you know, said, I'm going to eat you. And he says, like, no, don't eat me. You know, have my brother. He's bigger than me. Eat him instead. So you let him cross the bridge. It's like, what I'm do? My bigger brother's behind me, you know. He crosses the bridge by the third time by the third billy goat came across the troll came up and but the third billy goat was so big he had the horns and he just knocked him over so there are ways to get rid of these trolls that hide under our bridges mm. that don't allow us to cross over to our greener pastures and that's a metaphor i use a lot and we need to personify those trolls in our life who told us we can't do certain things, we can't, you know, that we're not good enough or we can't do these things or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. you're never gonna make it. All these trolls are personas. Somebody in our past has told us this and we gotta figure it out. And then when it becomes our, you know, because our inner critic is so much louder than our inner wisdom, we, we have a tendency to neglect yeah. our wisdom. So we have to quiet that down. So I help go through the, you know, find the negative thought patterns and restructure their, their thoughts and their behaviors so they could face it. And then, of course, there's the smart goals, like breaking down to small incremental goals mm. that are safe for them. And so, um, yeah, so they, you know, I, I just believe like the, that the universe is like a GPS system. Yeah. You know, put something out there and you put the end date and you will get there. Even if you veer off a little bit, it'll remind you to go back on the street. But everything's like, make a right turn, then a left turn, then a right turn. Like everything is in increments, but you'll get there. Yeah. What would you say to women, you're going back to, to that, when you're in that place of depression, what would you say to women that are currently in that space right now? Because, I mean, it's great using metaphors and things like that, but sometimes people want these practical steps to be able to get out. Because when you are in that space, it feels like you can't get out, isn't it? It's like you're in this big hole and, and you can, sometimes you can't even see the light at the top. And so right. what, what, what would your sort of advice be to them? You know, what was it that you did? Because you obviously came to a realisation, because depression isn't something we just wake up one morning and it's there. It's a gradual process, isn't it? So, you know, right. for you, you, you you've, you've moved into that space for however long. What was the sort of first step? Do you recall that you, yeah, what was it you did? Did you make a decision, I don't want to be here, or did yeah, something happen? Yeah, or? This, that's it. I mean, I just, like, how deep can my hole be? I think I started to doodle myself in quicksand. Right. My head is like, you know, I'm up there, like, either I do or I die. That was the way I felt. And, like, 
and um, you know, friends would help, want to reach out to me, but I didn't want to be with anybody because I didn't want to bring anybody down because mm. I'm really energetic in that sense. I don't want to give off negative energy, yeah. and I felt so negative. So it was really about um, realizing that I that if I don't do it myself, and I mean by doing myself is either climb out by myself or yeah. scream for help. Yeah. So I did seek a therapist then. Um, I did, um, I, I, went, I started to go walking because that was the simplest way for me to start um, getting, moving. Because I just, I would rather be in bed all day and not move with the curtains down. And it was, yeah, it was really down. But if I did not take a step, I would just, get sucked into that. So, and we know that energy is, is the best antidepressant. So, you know, and mm. movement. So uh, that's what I started to do. I just, I would call up a friend. I said, would you want to walk with me? You know, just, you know, it's just making that extra effort. Call a girlfriend that you know, that yeah. won't judge you, won't ask you questions, don't put you down. Just one of your girlfriend or a sister, somebody yeah. who you know. I mean, and sometimes... If you know somebody who's depressed, don't, yeah, sometimes just lend your ear. Don't give advice. Mm -hmm. Don't give advice. Just lend an ear. What can I do to help you? Tell me. You know, I think, I think when you're in the hole, you kind of, you shut down in every way and you're afraid to call out. Yeah. If you don't call out for help, you know, you know, that person is not going to be able to come find you without a flashlight. You know, (laughs) you need to, you need that person with a flashlight to come in your hole and help you out. If you yeah. can get out yourself. True. And and so when you were in that space, did were people aware or did you hide it well? Because I think I lots it. of Yeah, I was gonna say, because lots of women that I've spoken to, excuse me, <coughs> they were like, No, no one had any idea. I you know, I was still my bubbly self to the outside world and it's like, you know, wearing that mask, isn't it? You know, this totally. is how I want people to perceive me because if I really let them know what's going on in my inner world, what you know I might not be the person that they think that I am. So right, and that's about the ego. Like yeah, worrying what people absolutely. think about us. Um, worrying, oh my God, they'll see a flaw. I'm not perfect, and I think you know we have to let go of the idea of perfection. We have to, you know, and that's what I'm saying. That's when you're not authentic with mm. yourself because you're so worried about other people thinking how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to be rather than how you really want to show up in the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, we, when we are conditioned um, around depression, seeking therapy and all that, you know, it's, it's seen, although it's better now, but generally it's seen as a negative thing. Um, and, and it's not. I mean, it's such a strength. And it, depression is because you, you've really lost sight of who you are and who you want to be a lot to do with what you're attached to your story and the social, you know, social conditioning. Right. Because right. you know deep in your soul that you're perfect and that you're okay. But like you said, the ego will come in and it will, you know, keep grasping hold of those stories that, that we've created for ourselves over time. Right. So shouting out and saying, do you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not all right. And, you know, it is. It's so authentic. It is that vulnerability, isn't it? Allowing ourselves yeah. to be vulnerable. Yes. Because other people connect you know, to being vulnerable. And that, that's what I love um, about all the women that I've interviewed is that they've 
everyone over all the interviews that I've done, they've stepped into that place of vulnerability and they've said, Do you know what? I've had enough of being, you know, pretending and, right. and, I, and I'm just going to step up now. And, and it sounds like, you know, that, that's what you did. You, you, so you're saying you, you hid it for, for a while, but then what happened? When, when did you sort of come out, as it were, and say, I'm not feeling so great now? Um, you know, I was going for a walk with my husband one day and, you know, he, he, he liked me being home, you know, he's also a child of survivors. So we both grew up in traditional roles, yeah. but he also knew I was feeling so down depressed and because I just, I knew there was something more to me and I was so frustrated because I didn't know what to do. So we went for a walk one day. And he's, and you know, we support this, um, this orphanage. And so he said, you know, what would make you happy? He said, if you stayed with these kids for a month and just drew with them, just painted and colored and draw, that would really make you happy. And that was like, he got me. Yeah. He finally got me and like I that's when I signed up but next day I signed up for the school that I was thinking about going to yeah but I've been pushing off pushing off and pushing off so that's when like wow he got me that's exactly what I do I want to work with I started working out with working with children and now it's evolved to women and a lot of children Holocaust survivors so that's why I talk about trauma you know how we survived our parents yeah yeah wow that's incredible and so what were some of the experiences that you had with you know that month at, at that school what, what are some of those memories when you look back on because we learn so much from kids don't we you know as, as our adult selves and when we see them just just in their naivety and their innocence and even though they ex experience trauma kids can still um, be very innocent and, and naive. Yeah, and you know, and uh, they can be so innocent, and they're so they're so not judgmental. You know, yeah. so I would walk in, they're like, well, well, these like three or four year olds like coming to hug me and crowd around me. It was like such a nice thing. Of like, yeah. you know, it's been so long since my own children did that. So it was so nice. But um, I was working with a little girl. She was a three year old girl. It was an inner city school children, and. Um, you know, I, these were, I was working, doing internship with other interns. Yeah. And because it was a certification program, I wasn't really allowed to do one-on-one, -on -one, only the people who were doing their masters. So there was this little girl and she wasn't talking and she was like, with her body movement, she was like, <laughs> moving, bothering people and hitting kids. And so I zoomed in on her and I thought about my years of taking my boys to speech therapy you know, I had the experience that the younger, you know, younger women didn't have because they were college age. And uh, so I started using techniques to see, A, if she understood language or B, if she's able to express language. So I realized she's able to express it. So every time we get together, it was, a, it was in a classroom setting, I would sit with her and I would have her um, say the action she's doing over and over and over again. So she was able to relate to the action and to what she was doing. 
And I had this one over, she got very comfortable with me. She cuddled, every time I walk in, she would sit with me. She wanted to be with me. So we became like a, a friend, let's say. And then one day I walked over to her, we're washing them. She, she comes over to me, she says, can you wash my hands? That was a moment, that was a gift. Mm. We gave each other. The fact that she felt comfortable enough to finally open up and express herself without me prompting her, that was a huge gift. And then they, the school asked me to work with her one-on-one, -on -one, which was not the norm because they wow. thought I, had, I was able to work with her. And it turned out she had selective mutism um, because there was abuse going on at home. Right. And we did a lot of play therapy and art therapy. And, and uh, so from that, um, I learned so much. And then, um, of course, it was just an internship, so I only had a limited time with her. But I, you know, I came to realize she knows language, but she had to do, she had to have speech therapy for word retrieval because she had been using words, you know, and then there was an order of protection against the dad. And, you know, so, so much has come up. So in that like six month span of me working with her, it was, that was realized like, wow, I can really help somebody. I actually can get it and, and help somebody. And that was like a big moment for me. And, you know, and then you have a client here and a client there. It's like, wow, like, look, but I, I'm able to let them see things that they weren't aware of. That was, that's crazy. Yeah, that's incredible. And I like for that little girl, that, that would be life transforming, isn't it? You know, to be able yes. to find another adult who comes into a world who's a stranger, but be able to trust her. So there's something about you energetically that she connected to. Right. Yeah, it's quite beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, it, was, wow. it is wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. And so with all your experience and, and knowledge, you know, on, on your life journey, if you had to give some advice um, to your 16-year-old self, what would it be? What would you be saying to her? Um find your passion, be edu get educated about it, yeah. love it, yeah. and be authentically you. Yeah. Don't worry what people think. Don't mm -hmm. worry what people say because somebody's always going to be critical of you and you can't please everybody. So just, true. <laughs> just get out of your own head and be with those who support you, not criticize you. Help you, you know, it's all about support. Find, find your girls, find your tribe mm. who will support you and who believe in you and will lift your spirit up as you do for others as well. You know, we, we talk about um, a little old fashioned of the caveman days. You know, the men went out to hunt and the women stayed and yeah. gathered. Yeah. And, um, you know, not that I'm saying hunting is, a, is it, it's not um, traditional role for a woman yeah. and I think when in, in the 1980s when women went hunt in the in the corporate world women had, went out and they got those big padded shoulders and they tried to <laughs> you know be yeah. a man yeah and try to be something they're not they're not um primarily supposed to be and I think women need to embrace their femininity mm -hmm. and stay with the tribe because that tribe will lift us up. It's, yeah. not, it's not the hunting where people step on each other to get to the top. It's the tribe that lifts us all up.
Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is so powerful in itself, isn't it? I mean, I know certainly in my life and my life journey, it has been the circle of women, my tribe, you know, my, my absolutely implicitly trusted girlfriends that's made the difference more than any therapy or any, anything else. It is, it is that tribe. It's so, so powerful. And you're right. We have lost that. I think we, we are now shifting back into that, but it's still very small in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I, I love. I, that's why I love listening to women's stories and, you know, the people that I've interviewed, it's very much, we, we all become part of a tribe, a bigger tribe, we're supporting each other. There, you know, there's that thread that goes through our story. And, um, you know, we've been there. We've been in that masculine world. We've tried it out. We've tried to be the hunter-gatherer. And we're like, no, we don't like this space. Right. And it, and it takes courage to move back in, doesn't it? Move back into yes. being the feminine. Um, and yeah. it, it, who said it's such a bad place to be? It you is. Know? I know. I know. <laughs> it's a fabulous place to be. And then, and here we are, we're across the world and we're still, we are opening up our tribe. We are spreading yeah. the message. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And everything now, you know, women are, are, are speaking up now. So, which is great. Yes. Yeah. And I, and in New Zealand, they have this, I mean, originally I'm from England, but I live in New Zealand and I absolutely love it. And it's beautiful. And I love the people and everything about it, but they have this saying, you know, when, when something goes wrong or you're emotional, you know, they just go, Oh, take a concrete pill, harden up. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> So yeah. you know, that that's the sort of the term they use. And I'm like, gosh, that's really going to help women step back into their feminine. Well, even men, you know, men can't connect to, to their feminine um, essence because it's like, you know, got to harden up, take a concrete pill. That's what, right. Kiwi, bloke, right. that's what a Kiwi bloke does. And it's like, whoa. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. A little when a boy cries, like, you know, yeah. don't be such a you know yes. it's like yeah yeah it's like it's, it's shaming boys to to show them yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's not a good thing i think you know i think relationships would be better if both men and women were honest with their emotions yeah yeah and i think i mean men are very emotional beings but they're conditioned you know the hunter gatherer you don't show emotion because you know in reality all those years ago if you did you, you know right. you were killed you know that exactly. that was a reality but we don't live in that world today you know right. it's, it's everyone's the, the, the fear is the emotional fear it's not a physical fear correct so, yeah right. beautiful right. That, that that fear that um, you know the cortisol still lies within us yeah so, uh, yeah, there are no animals in my part of town. <laughs> yeah, no, mine either. So, Susan, how how can our audience get in touch with you? How can they connect with you and, and find out what you're doing in this space? Um, they can check out my website at artmensharts.com. You can always email me at artmensharts at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Artman's Hearts. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Artman's Hearts, one word. Connect with me on the LinkedIn, Susan Greif, Artman's Hearts. I would love to meet you. You know, meet anybody, any connect with anybody, any questions. Um, you know, I offer workshops and speaking engagements. So, you know, I'd love to connect and spread our message. I think this is a, I, I'm, I'm loving, you know, having this conversation with you and spreading our message. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, and I'll put all those links at, um, at the bottom of the interview so women can, can find you. And do you have, so on your website or part of your business, do you have any sort of free resources or courses or anything like that that women can sign up to? Um, don't have anything free yet, right. but because I just redid my website, so I'm going to start putting more things in there. But, but if you sign up for my newsletters, you know, on my website, anytime you get some emails, you'll get some more information. I'm going to, um, put up one of my stories that I had written for a book called Life Sparks. So I'm going to offer this like a free, um, you know, ebook, a mini ebook understand my journey and also inspire women to cross their bridges. It's called crossing bridges. So um, fantastic. What a, what a great title. I mean, it had to be that, didn't it? It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fantastic. Between my photographs and, you know, and crossing the bridges, that yeah. was uh, something I needed to work on. Yeah. And, what a, what a wonderful title. Well, Susan, thank you so, so much. I've enjoyed our interview immensely. So it's been great. Thank you. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.